Open your Bibles, if you would, please, to the book of Romans, chapter 15. Romans, chapter 15. Like we said earlier, we are speaking about hope all day today. How many of you could use a dose of hope? Anybody in the room? Listen to this. I'm so excited about this journey to Christmas. And if we do it right, faith will continue to grow week after week, and we'll really be able to appreciate and enjoy what God provided for us as we have our Christmas holiday with our family. Romans chapter 15, verse 13. I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in him. Then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. Is that amazing? I want you to hear that portion in the beginning. God, the source of hope. God is the source of hope. If we put our hope and confidence in all the things, those things are not the source of our hope. Yeah, sure, we have hope for certain things to happen. We have expectations of certain things. But the truth is our foundation of hope, our anchor of hope, our source of hope is God and God alone. Hebrews chapter 11, verse one says this. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. You know, I think about individuals in this season who are walking through fires and trials and concerning moments, kind of like we sang about earlier today. And sometimes we have this idea that we're having a crisis of faith. But I don't know that it's necessarily a crisis of faith. I think it's a crisis of hope. I think you do believe in God. Sometimes we wonder, God, are you listening? God, are you there? We've all experienced those feelings when we're going through a tough time. But if you really were to corner us and you were to say, do you believe the Lord has lied to you? We would say, no, we don't believe that. And the truth is, is I won't leave the Lord because I know he won't leave me and, and I absolutely love the Lord, but right now something's going on with my faith because of this stuff I'm walking through. But I don't know so much that it's a crisis of our faith as it is a hope crisis. See, because faith is the substance of things hoped for. And when we begin to lose hope, when we begin to see our hope kind of fade because of what we've been going through, then our faith seems to be shaken. And so today, my prayer and my hope is that you receive hope through the word, through the spirit of God, that like these balloons I have on the side, hope would fill your heart and you and your faith would begin to rise. Let's talk about our need for hope. A person full of hope. This would be an individual full of hope. And here's what's wonderful about a person full of hope is they have great expectations. No matter what life tries to push them down, what happens to them, they can lose a job, but something in them just says, I know that God is gonna take care of me. You know, people may come against them and say all kinds of negative things, and the devil might try to pursue them and push them down, but they just keep popping back up. Because hope fills their heart. They are full of hope. And so circumstances in life don't have the ability to keep that heart down, to keep you down because the God of hope is filling you with hope. Yes. 
Life's going to happen. Jesus said, in this world, you're going to have trouble. You're going to have trials. You're going to have tribulations. He said, but take heart. I've overcome the world. And you know what he was doing? He was putting hope inside of us. Isn't that true? We need hope to make it through this life. A human being without hope is like a human being without breath and oxygen. We need hope to keep bouncing up through the storm, to keep bouncing up through the warfare that we go through because there is a warfare that is set against the body of Christ and against people in this world. The devil is not for us, my friends. He's against us. And if the devil isn't against us, people with fallen natures can be against us too. And then there's a curse on the planet that we're dealing with and death and disease and all kinds of wars and rumors of wars. This is a challenging place to live in and we need hope to keep rising above it. Rising above it because of the hope that fills our heart. Hope that fills our heart creates optimism, creates a spirit of expectation creates an anticipation for tomorrow. It's a great test to see where your heart is right now with hope. Are you anticipating better things to come tomorrow? Are you anticipating and still optimistic that God can make a way or that you'll see a miracle with your own eyes and watch him turn things around? Do you believe tomorrow can be better than today? You know, if you begin to survey our nation, begin to survey our country, our young people and our adults, do you realize there is a hope crisis in our country? There's a hope crisis in this generation. One of the reasons I think that exists is because everything that brings hope, our country has told them doesn't exist. They've tried to remove all the things that produce genuine hope out of them. And then they're like, hey, be hopeful. You have nothing of substance to believe in, but hey, be hopeful of tomorrow because we're marketing a better tomorrow if you do it our way. But you know what? Hope doesn't come from better marketing. Hope comes from God. Right. Hope comes from God, the source of hope. You remove God, you remove hope to a generation. And so our culture is losing hope and losing it rapidly. What happens when a person loses hope? They begin to experience a sense of dread. They begin to ask questions like, what am I living for? Why am I here? Does anything I do even matter? They begin thinking lies to themselves that my life is going nowhere. And everything that begins to happen in their life, they're not like the balloon over there that rises above the challenges. Because what happens is when we lose hope, typically it's because something happened and we haven't let it heal. We haven't allowed God to heal that disappointment. See, when disappointment comes, we begin to have holes in our heart. Maybe you lost a job and in losing a job, how many of you know, you can begin to become discouraged. You can begin to let the anxiety and the anxiousness begin to take hold of you. Has anyone ever been there before? You see, this idea of losing hope it's a problem because what's gonna happen is at some point, the enemy in life is still gonna be opposing and still gonna be resisting, but you aren't gonna have that hope that's gonna keep you up. At some point, if you don't address the holes, you will continue to falter and sink into despair. And so we need to address these wounds and these things, people have hurt you. Someone maybe walked out on you, somebody you trusted possibly lied to you or didn't do what they said they were going to do. And so now when the enemy comes and life begins to torment you, you begin to sink 
and you don't have the hope on the inside, that substance on the inside to help you keep rising. And you begin to continually deflate more and more and more. And you begin to fall to all of the stuff that goes on. And it's because you've lost hope. And that's what we look like when we don't let the Lord heal those wounds. See, those wounds are real. We're not just this group of people that says, oh, nothing bad ever happens. And we can just, when you hope in God, there's no challenge or oppositions. No, those wounds come. Those punctures, those attacks on our life and our faith, they come. And through God's word and through his spirit, he can heal and bind up the brokenhearted. And his word can begin to replace where those holes are. And his spirit can begin to heal those wounds so that he can continue to breathe hope and breathe life back into us today. Our world is becoming more and more hopeless. Even in so many areas, they don't begin to anticipate a better tomorrow or that things are going to improve. And even their expectations, like when I was a kid, I used to have all kinds of expectations about the future. I was expecting about the career I would have. Now I wonder if our young people have excitement about the future or are they more afraid of the future of profession that they may have and careers that they may have. Or I was expecting to get married when I was a young person. I couldn't wait for the Lord to find the right person. And I remember when I was in high school, I was so excited to get married. One day I was driving on my little tractor mowing the lawn and I was like, Lord, I thank you for the person that you have for me to marry one day. And all I ask is that Jesus, you don't come back until I can get married. <laughs> I'm not the only one. And then it's, Lord, don't come back until we can have children, right? We've all been there, but there was an expectation and looking forward to, but now do our young people or even those that are single, do they anticipate getting married? Is there a hope in getting married? Or if they had so many wounds from parents that have been divorced or relationships that didn't work, that now their hope is completely gone in the idea of God's plan of marriage. The answer isn't to ignore the cuts. The answer isn't to pretend like they don't exist. The answer is to let the Lord heal those places. Do they have anticipation about who they'll marry, about having children? Some people don't even want to bring children into this world because they don't have hope. But yet it is God's will and God's plan for us to bring children into this world and to raise them as his kids. Come on. That's the plan of God. It's a wicked plan of the enemy for us to believe that we don't want to bring children into this dark world. There are people that would love to have children and they can't physically. And then there's other people that just choose not to because they've lost hope. It is God's plan for us to bring forth godly children and heritage into the earth. Where you place your hope is important. It's imperative to your experience of joy. If you put your hope in things that can't hold up under pressure, you will be disappointed. What often happens when we feel like our hope has been disappointed or things aren't working out the way we want, in the natural, here's what can happen. When we feel like something is challenging our hope, we can get angry. I don't know about you, but there are times where I was hoping for something, I was anticipating something, something challenged it, something happened from left field, and it's easy to get angry about it. But you know what? Getting angry about it doesn't heal it. Getting angry about it doesn't produce faith. Or we just sit there and we have anxiety about it. That doesn't help either. Just sitting there on the couch, 
curled up in a ball. Like, I don't know what I'm going to do. We have access to the word of God, which brings faith. We have access to God himself, which is the source of hope. How often do we not run to the source of real hope? We're looking to the news to give us hope. Wow. How many of you have ever felt more encouraged after watching the news? Anybody? You're like, wow, that really blessed me today. I just feel so good about tomorrow. My finances are going to be great. Our country's going to be great. The future is bright. Thank you, news people. But yet we feed and feed and feed on all of their wisdom where the wisdom of man is foolishness to God. And we don't go to the God of hope, the source of hope. He's like the last one we go to. We get angry first. We sit in worry and fear and anxiety. When are we gonna go boldly into the throne of grace? When are we gonna just walk into the one who knows how to put the hope back in our lungs and heal the wounds that makes the hope keep leaking out? Amen. And sometimes some of us who still feel like we can control everything, I won't look around. We just double down on our own efforts and we just try harder and work harder. And we're like, I'm gonna fix this. I can do this. But you know what? Sometimes we need to admit that this, whatever this is, is bigger than us. And we need to stop trying to fix it ourselves and say, God, I go to the God of hope. I go to you and I ask you to help me with this. And so we're gonna talk about hope in this Christmas journey today. As we start off the month, we progress towards Christmas. Interestingly enough, like some of our life, you may feel like you're in darkness right now. Kind of that hopeless, no anticipation place. Do you know the Christmas story? actually begins in darkness. The Christmas story, book of Matthew, gospel of Matthew, right where the New Testament begins. Do you know that it begins with a lot of darkness that was preceding that moment? If you look at the last book of the Old Testament, Malachi, or if you're Italian, Malachi, <laughs> chapter four, verse five, look at the last book and the last line of the Old Testament. Look, the prophet says, I am sending you the prophet Elijah before the great and dreadful day of the Lord arrives. His preaching will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the hearts of children to their fathers. Otherwise I will come and strike the land with a curse. The end. Like, <laughs> wow, that was a great ending. And then for the next 400 years, there's silence in the prophetic voice of God to Jerusalem, to Israel. Did you know that? During that time, a lot of stuff happened. The Persians conquered the land and they ruled for a while. After the Persians, the Greeks came in, Alexander the Great, and some of his rulers came. So again, you have no prophetic voice of God. Your last word from God was, I'll bring a curse on the land. You've had a kingdom come and a kingdom fall. And rather than the kingdom of God that you're believing for come, another pagan kingdom comes. It's one thing to go through the trouble and the darkness of one kingdom, the Persians. 
And then when they get conquered, you're like, maybe this is it. Maybe this is the fulfillment of the promise. And no, there's another pagan kingdom in. Yay. And then after the Greeks, the Romans come in. Now for a brief little window there, there was a reprieve with the Maccabees and the Maccabee Wars and things that they celebrate Hanukkah. And that's some of that for about a hundred or so years, there was a little bit of peace there. And you have a little bit of hope, but then the Romans come in. And for the last 60 years now, you're in Roman occupation, high taxes, oppressed. Can we, before we get to the big celebration of Christmas, can we see the darkness, the long days of darkness that they experienced beforehand? Can we put ourselves in the story to where prophecies had been given hundreds of years earlier, say hundreds of years? Do you know God was always faithful to those promises and those prophecies? And there was an appointed time for them to be fulfilled. But how many of you know after a few hundred years, you could get a little hopeless? You could begin to deflate some of that hope. But you know, right in the middle of that darkness, three kingdoms had come to dominate and rule these people, this people. In the middle of that scene, in comes this message of hope. And I want to tell you today that you might feel like you're in this great season of darkness. Like things couldn't get any darker. You've lost your job. You've lost somebody you love. Your marriage isn't working out. Your kids are off the rails. Your finances have all these issues. Right in the middle of this darkness, this heavy, gross, oppressive darkness comes the Savior. But sometimes we forget to appreciate what the darkness feels like and in not appreciating the reality of the darkness, we don't celebrate the light. Maybe we turn the Christmas lights on too fast. Put up all the lights, put them up quick. Lights, 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 lights everywhere. Quickly, we wanna see the lights, lights. <laughs> maybe, just maybe it would do us some good to turn off all the lights in the house and sit in a dark house for a little while. Let your eyes adjust to the darkness and then just light one candle and appreciate what it feels like to finally have light in front of you again. See, sometimes we go so fast to Christmas. I think it's a strategy of the enemy sometimes to move you so fast to Christmas that you forget all the gospel that's being preached to you for the whole month because you're just trying to get to the lights. You're trying to get to open in the presence and get there as fast as possible, but it started in darkness. This story starts in darkness. It starts where people were hopeless. Colossians chapter one, verse 13. For he, God, has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and he transfers us into the kingdom of his dear son. As we begin this Christmas season today, can we pause and remember that we were once in darkness? Can you remember what it felt like to not have hope in this world, to not have relationship with God, to not have his Holy Spirit's comfort or peace, or to have him whispering in your ear, everything's gonna be okay, or to have access to eternal life, or to have access to power beyond the natural? Do you know what that feels like anymore? Can you remember what it was like to sit in darkness? to have sins that were bigger than you and addictions that were bigger than you, to not know how to forgive properly, to be as selfish and greedy and prideful as the rest of this world that's fallen. 
Do you remember what it was like to be in those types of relationships where people didn't have your best interest? They weren't the family of God around you? Can you remember what it was like to be in darkness? Because we were in darkness and he transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son. John chapter three, verse 19 and 20. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but people loved darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for the fear of their deeds will be exposed. That's the world we live in. They hide from the light. They're so adapted and adjusted to the darkness, they actually run away from Jesus who is the light of the world. But all of this story starts in darkness. Maybe it would serve us, like I said, to take a little pause and remember what it felt like to be in darkness. The Christmas season is not a story of ignoring or just taking a break from darkness, by the way. Some people kind of look at Christmas as a break, a breath of fresh air to where we can think about Jesus a little bit in this fallen world, or maybe they think it's, a, it's an escape holiday where we escape the darkness and we just hang out here in this Christmas season and then we go back into this dark world. The Christmas story is not one of escaping or ignoring the darkness or taking a break of the darkness. The Christmas story is God coming into the darkness and lighting his light and the darkness could no longer overcome it. Do you see that? This is not us just putting a pause on the darkness and saying we're gonna look and celebrate light. The story of Christmas, the story of Christ coming in this time that we celebrate is God stepping into that darkness. And he lit a candle, he lit the light of Christ. And no matter how dark that darkness was, how many of you know that the light has just been increasing and increasing and increasing. And every life Jesus touches, every light, every life Jesus steps into, they move from darkness into being a light themselves. They are light in the Lord. So it's like Jesus is lighting one candle and another candle and another candle and another candle. And now imagine that house that you sat in with one candle and you begin lighting the candle of your children. You have three kids, one, two, three candles. You teach your children to share their faith. They light two, three, four more candles. Come on now. And you begin to see that whole house turn into hundreds and thousands and millions over the last 2,000 years. That is the plan of God. That began in this Christmas story where it started in gross, great darkness. Amen. John chapter one, verse five, the light shines in darkness and the darkness can never extinguish it. Hallelujah. The darkness cannot extinguish it. Let's talk about hope for today. Hope for today. Pastor Kevin, do we have hope for today? You're talking about this grand hope in Jesus. You're talking about hope about forgiveness of sin or coming out of the kingdom of darkness. You're talking about hope for tomorrow and eternal life, but I need some hope today. How many of you could use some hope for today? Would you raise your hand just as an act of faith? I could use a little hope for today. Let me give you some encouragement. We always have hope for today because we have God now in our lives and we have his promises in our lives. The Bible tells us in Ephesians chapter two, verses 11 through 13, don't forget that you Gentiles, now a Gentile was someone who wasn't Jewish by birth, 
They weren't born into the covenants of God. So that's most of us in this room. Don't forget that you Gentiles used to be outsiders. You were called uncircumcised heathens by the Jews. It's kind of strong. <laughs> Who were proud of their circumcision. Now the word circumcision there just means it's a sign of their covenant that they had with God. And covenant is God's promises to them. Even though it affected only their bodies and not their hearts. In those days, you were living apart from Christ. So we didn't have Christ. We were outside. You were excluded from citizenship among the people of Israel. You did not know the covenant of promises that God made to them. So God had made covenant of promises to Israel. You lived in this world without God. So we didn't have access to those promises. We didn't have access to their God, to the God of Israel. Without God and without hope. See, because if you don't have God, you don't have the source of hope. If you don't have God, you don't have the supernatural to overcome the natural. If you don't have God, you don't have the promises of God. You can't have the promises of God without God. But now, say but now, you have been united with Christ Jesus. Once you were far away from God, but now you've been brought near to him through the blood of Christ. Thank you, Jesus. You say, can I have hope in this world? Absolutely, why? Because Jesus has brought you and reconciled you to God. Now you have access to God who is the source of hope and God has made great and precious promises to not only Israel, but to you and to me. When Israel's surrounded by enemies, God's already promised them, I will take care of you, I will protect you, I will be your defender. God will be the same defender for you and for me when you're surrounded by enemies. Amen. Are you hearing me? You need provision in this life. God's provided for Israel, showed you miraculous ways throughout the Old Testament, how when his people were faithful, how God provided and provided and provided. And that same God has now brought you close to himself and given you access to those great and precious promises through Christ, not through your perfection, but because you've put your faith in Christ and he's qualified you. You now are connected, reconciled, the Bible says, to God himself. And so yes, you can have hope for today. God knows what you have need of. He knows you need, what, you need things to eat, you need things to wear, you need a place to live. He knows you need those things and you're concerned with those things, but he also wants you to have a greater hope than a hope for things. A greater hope than a hope for things. Yes, you can have hope for today, but our greatest hope is hope in Christ, in Christ himself. And I wanna add another layer, hope for his second coming. Can we talk about the second coming a little bit in this Christmas season? See, sometimes we spend so much time talking about his first coming that we forget his first coming was to set up for the second coming. <laughs> and the same God that prophesied the first coming is the same God that spoke and will be faithful to his return. Our greatest hope is in Christ, is in his second coming, is in his eternal kingdom. All other hopes are just passing, they are. Even if you get a good meal today, praise God for a good meal. But those things are passing. You pay one bill and you know what? Up pops another one, like whack-a-mole. <laughs> Do the bills ever stop coming? Not on this side of eternity. 
So though we can have hope for things in this life, there's really even a greater hope. And I don't want to, I don't want to minimize your need for hope in your everyday life. I don't want to minimize that. We want you to be able to have this kind of hope that no matter what happens, you can continue to pop up. We want you to be able to be that way. God wants you to be that way because he wants you to be inflated with faith that comes from him, right? And no matter what you go through, it's not gonna keep you down because you're filled with the spirit of God, the life of God, the word of God, the light of God, and, and life is going to try to oppress. So he does want you to have hope for today. Praise God for that. But he doesn't want you just to think about today or just to have hopes set into the things of today. He wants you to have a hope that goes beyond the veil. He wants you to have a hope that goes beyond the temporal into the eternal realm where there's an anchor for your life. That no matter what happens on this side of eternity, it cannot steal, it cannot take the anchor of your hope, which goes beyond this life. Amen. Acts chapter one, speaking of his coming again, Acts chapter one, verse 11, the angels, when Jesus ascended, they said, men of Galilee, why are you standing here staring into the heavens? Jesus has been taken from you into heaven, but someday he will return from heaven the same way you saw him go. Hallelujah. Praise God. The Lord is coming again. Yes. And that is a greater hope, a greater anchor, because no matter what happens on this side, nothing and no one can stop that promise and that day of his return. You see, the devil couldn't stop the day of his first coming. And now he's been given all power in heaven and earth and all authority. There's no way the enemy's gonna stop his second coming. He may try to muster a little army to try to like pew, 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 right? When Jesus comes. But the Bible says he will obliterate his enemies with just the brightness of his coming. It's not even a fight, not even a battle, but he is coming again. And there is a sense of hope in that. And I don't want to just put hopes in things that are temporal, fleeting, passing away. Even this current tribulation you're going through, this light and momentary affliction that you're going through now is working in you a far greater weight of glory. This too shall pass. You've heard that in the scriptures. There's another verse that you hear in the King James a lot, and it shall come to pass. These tribulations you're going through, they have come, but they have come to what? To pass. They're not staying. The Lord is staying. His word is staying. Revelation chapter 22, here's another one. Verse 12, look, Jesus speaking, I am coming soon, bringing my reward with me to repay all people according to their deeds. Open your Bibles, if you would, please, to the book of 1 Peter. Let's see it again. Peter encouraging the early church. You see, because the Messiah had come, the Christ had come, and now he's ascended into heaven, and the early church is still experiencing trouble. Can you let yourself think about that for a minute? Wait a minute. We've become believers. We've, we've met the Messiah, the prophesied one. The one that we, the whole nation has been waiting for for thousands of years. We have met, surrendered, seen, experienced the resurrected Lord. And yet all their troubles didn't disappear, did they? In the early church. All of their 
pain, all of their, the persecution and oppression, their needs, they still had physical need that was going on. Why do I say that? Because accepting Jesus into your life, welcoming the Savior, the Messiah into your life, it doesn't remove us from the world we're living in. And there's still stuff that goes on, just like in the early church. But you see, now Peter is encouraging them. Peter is anchoring them into God, knowing that these troubles they're facing, that God who's been faithful will continue to be faithful and to continue to be watchful for the second coming. I encourage us today to remember that this stuff we're dealing with is just a moment, just a brief moment in the timeline when you compare it to eternity. And sometimes we can get so caught up in what's happening today, right in this moment, where we feel oppressed, we feel discouraged, we feel like things aren't going our way, that we can begin to let go of things that are eternal. We can begin to let go of things that will pull us through, out and above, and there is still a future for you, but we let go of that future because we're licking our wounds in this here and now, in this circumstance here and now. And so Peter is speaking to this church, this early church that's going through trouble and he's encouraging them about a few things. Here we go. First Peter chapter one, six. So be truly glad there is wonderful joy ahead, even though you must endure many trials for a little while. These trials will show you that your faith is genuine it is being tested as fire tests and purifies the gold. Though your faith is far more precious than mere gold, so when your faith remains strong through many trials, it will bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world. So he's pointing them back to the future. He's pointing them to the coming of the Lord. Verse 13. So prepare your minds for action, exercise self-control, put all your hope in the gracious salvation that will come to you when Jesus Christ is revealed to the world. Put all your hope into the day Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world. No journey you went through is gonna, is, no journey or pain you've experienced is gonna continue to plague you when you see that day. No sacrifice you made, no choice to serve God and believe God. The persecution and pressure that they were experiencing, all of that will fade like that at the visitation or the, the, the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. So I want to remind us today that Christmas season is not simply looking back to his first coming, but it's also a promise of his second coming. The prophets have prophesied. The word of God has declared. The angels themselves had said he's gonna return and he is going to return. Just like the first coming, he will fulfill the prophecies and promises. He will show up suddenly when it looks the darkest. Remember the first time he came, it had seemed like it had been a long time and nothing was gonna change. And yet all of a sudden, the light of the world shows up. But you know what, when he showed up, he didn't show up like everyone expected him to, did he? He showed up like a little baby in a manger. God is showing up in our lives and he will show up in our lives. But sometimes he's not gonna show up like the big triumphant army you think he's gonna show up. He's gonna show up in a still small voice. 
It's going to show up like a promise in the scripture. It's going to show up like students singing up here, encouraging you to believe God and walk through that fire and to be worshiping God because he's going to pull you through it and pull you out of it. The Lord is showing up. Amen. And sometimes when it looks the darkest, that's the perfect setup for that light to be lit. The Jews must have felt their Messiah would never come, but he did. We may feel the Lord will never come back, but he is coming back. You say, but when is he coming, Kevin? I don't know. But we're closer than we were. Amen. And I truly believe personally that the signs of the times are like the birth pains that we would read about. And I believe we're a lot closer than we were. I believe this is all a setup for that second coming and return of the Lord. Just like the first night, suddenly the angels broke the silence. A voice from another world broke into this world. And one day soon, another angelic voice, like the sound of a trumpet, is gonna break through another realm into this realm. And the dead in Christ will rise, come on. And those that are alive in Christ who remain will be caught up together to meet the Lord in the air. So shall we ever be with the Lord. Today is a day of hope. I was sent to encourage you with hope. I was sent to breathe hope into you today. To remind you that this story of Christmas began in great darkness. That may be where you are today. You feel like you're, you're, you're reaching around and grabbing around in a dark place. But your hope is in God. The source of hope. And I love what the word said in the beginning, that source of hope brings you joy and peace as well. Let me pray this into your spirit today. Let me pray that the God of hope would breathe that breath of spirit and life into you. If today you're saying, you know what? I really needed to hear about hope today. I needed my lungs of faith to be inflated with God's word and this encouragement today. Would you just have an act of faith today? Would you stand right at your seat so I can just pray for you right where you are? Go ahead, just stand where you are and say, I needed just the supernatural God of hope to fill me with hope this morning. Go ahead, the Lord sees it. We've all been in these places. God didn't bring you here just to hear about hope. Come on, brought you here to receive it today. Heavenly Father, I pray for our brothers and our sisters that are standing. Maybe they're even at home right now watching and standing. And God, they're saying, I needed hope. I feel like that deflated balloon. I've had some cuts, some disappointments, some discouragements, things that have happened. And I've been leaking hope. It's been fleeing my life. And Lord, today I come and I give you my heart and I'm asking you to heal those wounds. Lord, if I need to forgive some people that hurt me, I choose to forgive them. I choose to release them into my forgiveness right now. I choose to stop trying to defend, stop trying to prove something, and I just choose forgiveness. God, if there's disappointment or worry or anxiety because of money, because of health, because of loss, I ask that you would go in such a beautiful way and patch up those wounds as well. Patch up those places, Holy Spirit. Bind up the brokenhearted just like you promised. Heal. Lord, we're not just ignoring those places. We give you, Holy Spirit, opportunity to minister to our hearts, to heal our hearts. 
And now, God, I ask you, breathe life. You breathe hope. Help them to know that you will never leave them. You will never forsake them. That because of Jesus, they have all access to the throne of heaven. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would bring a peace that passes understanding. I pray you would bring hope for tomorrow that, that even that cloud that they've walked in over the last few days or weeks or months would, would, would lift. I rebuke that dark cloud, that spirit of heaviness, the lying, tormenting words of the devil. I silence you. You get your hands off this child of God. And I pray they only hear the voice of their shepherd, their good shepherd. You will lead them. You will guide them. You will never leave them. You will never forsake them. And I pray, God, that you help them know they have precious promises, great and precious promises, to help take care of them in this life and the life to come. I pray hope into their marriage. I pray hope into their heart. I pray hope into their future. I pray hope into their great expectations today. We give you thanks. We give you praise. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you just thank the Lord for ministering hope to people? Amen. Why don't you all stand? Everybody stand together. Amen. I want to give you an opportunity today to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And I ask that nobody leave for the next 30 seconds. The entire service has come to this moment of somebody's eternal choice. The Bible tells us this, that all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. What does that mean? It means every single one of us needs a Savior. The wages and the penalty of our sin, according to the scripture, is death, which is separation from God, even hell, spiritual death, darkness. But the gift of God, and it's a gift, is eternal life through Jesus Christ the Lord. The Bible says that all who call on the name of the Lord will be saved. So that's every one of you today that says, God, save me. There's no one too far gone. No one who's done something so bad that he won't save. All, say all, who call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Saved from what? Saved from your sin. Saved from hell. Saved from the devil's hands all over your life. Saved unto eternal life. Saved unto a relationship with God. Saved unto hope and future and eternity with God. Saved unto the family of God and those great and precious promises. And so today, here's the challenge. If you've never given your heart to Jesus, if you don't remember a time in your life that you've ever called on the name of the Lord to save you, we wanna give you that opportunity today. If you say, you know what, Pastor Kevin, if I was honest, I had a relationship with Jesus at one time, but I am not where I should be. I've walked away from God. I've let my relationship with God cool off. It's not that I don't believe in him. It's just I don't genuinely serve him. But I would like to recommit myself to him today. I would like a restart, an official new beginning today. If that's you, I want to give both of those groups opportunity to call on the Lord today. So if you'll bow your heads and close your eyes for the next 30 seconds. On the count of three, I'm just going to ask you to raise your hand right where you are. And that's you saying, I want to give my heart to Jesus for the first time. 
or I want to recommit myself afresh. That extension of your hand is an act of faith. I'll lead all of us in a prayer. God will hear you right where you are. So if that's you today, you need to get right with God for any reason on the count of three, raise your hand. One, two, three. If that's you, pop your hand up right where you are. One, two, three. Anybody else? Put it up. Put it up. Four, five, six. Put it up. Seven, eight. Anybody else? Nine, 10. Praise God. Anybody else? This is your new beginning. I may not have seen your hand, but the Lord saw your hand. Let's all pray this prayer together. Would you repeat after me? Dear God, I thank you that you see me just as I am. I realize I've sinned and I've walked away from you. I receive Jesus Christ today as my Lord and Savior. I believe that he died for me, that he rose again. Please forgive me of my sin. Wash me, cleanse me, make me new. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Take every part of me now. Be my God. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope you have been blessed by the ministry of Calvary Orlando. We invite you to join us in person for our Sunday morning worship experience every Sunday at 10 a.m. To find out more about Calvary, please visit our website at calvaryorlando.org. There you can find our latest events and ministry opportunities. Thanks for listening. 